0: Hello, and welcome back to the Quiet Connections podcast. I'm Stacey. Guys, it's the last episode of season two. We've had such an awesome time speaking with all of our amazing guests this season, and we hope that their stories have inspired you and their insights have offered you something valuable to take away. We know they have for us. We'll be back in the winter with season three and we're already looking forward to sharing with you the guests that you'll get to meet then. In the meantime though, be sure to subscribe to the channel so that you'll be the first to know when the new season starts and help us to reach more people who need to know that they're not alone when feeling socially anxious by leaving us a review. But we're not done just yet because today we have one more guest to hear from and truthfully this one feels quite special to me because today I am speaking with one of my previous lecturers from my time at university Becky Dodman Wainwright Becky is a multidisciplinary textile artist and designer with over a decade's experience working in the textile industry and as a lecturer at Plymouth College of Art We chat about reconnecting with who we truly are and what it is that we want from our lives versus molding ourselves to be who we think we should be. We bring to light the importance of finding our tribe and surrounding ourselves with the right people to invest our energy into. And we look at what it means to trust the process. Whilst Becky speaks through insight gained from her artistic projects and direction in her life, there is so much in this that applies to any one of us and the many areas of each of our lives. This is someone who continues to inspire me. So without any further delay, let's hear from Becky. Hi Becky, welcome to the show. I am so so pleased to have you on as a guest today because what some people, well what most people won't know is that we've known each other for about 10 years I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) crazy isn't it? And, and the reason why is because you were actually one of my lecturers at university so I feel like this is really special to have you on as a guest today and to be speaking with you. For those of our listeners who don't know you would you mind sharing a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do?
1: Sure. Okay. Hi, Stacey. Thanks so much for having me. Um, okay, so um, I'm Becky Dobbin-Wainwright. Um, I'm a textile designer and also a lecturer. So I manage, and I'm a mum, so I've got three kids. Um, actually, I'm a stepmum and a mum. So yeah, life is, life is energetic. It's, it's fun and it's, um, it's very colourful. I think my 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 biggest thing that I'm kind of known for, I guess, is colour. Um, so I lecture part time at Plymouth College of Art um, and the rest of the time I have my own business, which is anything from knitwear design through to um, textile, fine art pieces.
0: Lovely. And I love what you said there about you being known for colour, because I know that as a designer, your work is very expressive. It's very playful. It's very vibrant. Um, and As a person who's feeling socially anxious or shy, we can easily assume that people are really, really confident, especially I think if like what they're putting out into the world is quite expressive and and colorful. There's that idea that, oh, they must be really confident. They must always feel confident. Um, They must never have doubts about themselves or worries about what other people are thinking about what what they're doing and who they are. Um, so what
1: is it that, that others are missing from the outside? <laughs> um, I think, I think, crikey, I think all in all honesty, I think it's absolutely fine to feel anxious. I mean, I, I am a... Um, I'm a woman in her 40s now, I've, you know, I've got a busy life. I think on the outside, Instagram for me is a very refined, colourful, super positive output, but I, behind the scenes is that I'm a very normal person that is subject <laughs> to my hormones, um, I've got, you know, external life things that go on that I have to manage, um, I have, you know, I have the the morning where I'm shouting to get the kids out to <laughs> school, and then I'm kind of rushing on my moped. To get to work, and I think with within all of that is that there's an anxiety. You know, there's a lot of pressure for women and for men to be doing the best all the time, and um, and I think you know we're very good at projecting this. everything's brilliant but actually what we need behind the scenes is we need our downtime we need to talk about our anxieties we need to be able to have the space to feel vulnerable um sometimes I feel like a bit of a and you would have experienced me doing jazz hands as a lecturer and super confident everything's amazing but actually that that preparation to get there is that you know I have to make sure all of my lectures were prepped I have to I've got a speech that I've got to do at an exhibition opening tonight you know and a lot of it comes into kind of daily life and um, professional life preparation so you know I never attend anything without at least spending kind of 10 minutes prepping before going to a social event you know even if there's no expectation on me I've got to get into the zone <laughs> and I think that because I I, I am I, I can get anxious and I'm um, particularly this week I've been feeling 150% a bit you know kind of nervous I've had new students come through the door at Plymouth College of Art I've had you know kind of I've got the exhibition opening tomorrow tonight not tomorrow tonight <laughs> hey, I'm so nervous. Um, and I think you know but I, but I, I mitigate a lot of that just by doing as much prep as I can and then going with the flow is that you know I'm not out there to hurt anybody I'm not out there to you know I'm really there to share you know what I have you know in a social setting so you know I just have to take if I don't want to be centre of attention which is often then I'll sit to the side Um, I think with the collaborative work that I do it's very much about there's definitely a kind of co-authorship with what I do which means that you know there's a part of me and as a part of the person that I'm collaborating with Um, but I'm really interested in you know kind of anxiety being used in a really positive way to kind of get up and go um and I and it can be really healthy it sounds to me like you hold a lot of acceptance for yourself and
0: how you're feeling Mm. has that always been the case and if so like or or if it hasn't then how did you cultivate that for yourself
1: well, I think I was very lucky as an early child that i I was really encouraged to embrace who I was. Um you know, I designed and I'd draw pictures and I'd be found in the garden just drawing a flower and um and then I hit you know kind of late teens, and there was a huge pressure to to embrace kind of an academic route. so art. Became a nothing for me, and um, and I really struggled with that. And I and I lived around fifteen years from my late teens up until I, I went back and did a second degree when I was thirty. In in very much, I'm very lucky. I had my daughter, <clears throat> kind of within that space. But I had a long period of time where I tried to fit in. Yeah. and it just didn't and it just didn't work i i i did a degree in youth and community studies and i loved it i love that process of, of understanding people um but i often found it very overwhelming because i didn't know where to put my feelings mm-hmm. i wanted to take everybody home i wanted to change the world i wanted to you know i, I wanted to I wanted, <laughs> yeah i wanted to rescue people you know and i spent a decade in in a, in a full-time job um you know advising people and caring for people but I felt knackered at the end of that and I and I just I needed to you know and and with that with the very with the acute tiredness of not being able to change you know change stuff that was that I'd never be able to change you know that that bred anxiety and worry and you know I'd be up at night concerned about a particular person that I was working with and I couldn't see the end and actually um, I spoke to there was a very key person in my life at that point um, who was my auntie who was a counsellor and she she Um, reminded me that as a child I loved art and knitting Mm. and um, she spent a couple of sessions with me just chatting about what I wanted (laughs) and um, you know and I think that's you know kind of I I took a leap and I just redirected myself Um, yeah and I just and I just rediscovered art and I think it was that disconnect between my authentic self and what I um, the expectation of what other people Thought of me, and um, and that was about that was thirteen years ago, fourteen years ago, and I started. Then I started on an evening course, doing textiles, and then they said, "Oh, come and do a degree." And I was like, "Oh my God, how am I going to do that?" I was a single mum, you know. I had challenges. I was like, "Oh my God, my child is eighteen months old," but I. I Decided to leave leave the job that I had. I embraced motherhood. I went and did a part. I ended up doing a um, part time degree on a full time course. So I was in part time, and I was labouring with my brother. I was digging holes to pay for the mortgage, <laughs> and um and then the rest is history. Really, I I stayed on, did a PGCE, um and I just I I shifted kind of what I thought I should have been to what I wanted to be and it was a very very long process it's not going to happen overnight and um you know there's there's lots of people that have a lot of opinions along the way about whether you should be doing it or shouldn't be doing it and you know and I think it's just finding that inner confidence and the more you're around people that understand you the easier life becomes it really does you you shared some really wonderful
0: things there so the first was around you know you you molding yourself to fit into other people's expectations as opposed to what it is that you actually wanted and what you described there as that disconnect between your like who you truly are and what you think you should be is something that I know a lot of our listeners are experiencing a lot of I know it's something that I really resonate with that you know I spent so many years of my life thinking that I had to be someone that I wasn't um and just not trusting what it was that
1: felt right for me yeah yeah and I think that's so key is I think you know with you know what I pass on I hopefully pass on to my children and and to the the people that I teach and the people that I work with is is that you know I mean I'm very happily me now but it's okay that I went through that journey to to get there you know and um you know one of the biggest things is finding the hobby you know finding that that thing that you can go and speak to people so there's a there's a purposeful play involved you know I, I think that. one of the things that I really struggled with is, is finding my tribe and I think you know not everybody has the resources all the time or the inclination to go and do a degree or a second or whatever they're kind of but maybe a short course might open up go and do an evening test on photography or do an evening where you go and learn to knit or you know, finding, you know, kind of beyond it, the focus on us, you know, and kind of our, the way that we are is actually finding your tribe. And I think once I'd found the people is that I forgot about the anxieties that I had about not being, I just felt happy. I shifted my happiness. Wasn't, I wasn't worried about fitting in anymore. Because I, you know, I was kind of like, actually, this is where I want to be. And nobody fitted. Everybody, like, <laughs> everybody was just like, wanting to be their authentic selves. And what we kind of discovered through that was, that's okay. We're all together <laughs> being, being all, our authentic self. And I think, you know, life is such a journey. And, and you know, where I was as a, as a, you know, and a lot of my work now is about that kind of inner child you know Mm -hmm. and kind of you know it's it's really kind of helping people express in their internal landscapes and I think you know that you know we don't we don't have to worry about the seriousness of life all the time you know it's it's given to us that's that's the joy of being an adult (laughs) (laughs) find those activities that allow us to be playful is really key I think.
0: I I love that uh, term purposeful play that really resonated with me but also I love the fact that what you've just described is the difference between fitting in versus belonging
1: so when
0: we spend our lives trying to mold ourselves to fit in to what we think we should be we we never truly feel fulfilled or at peace with who we are whereas when we find our tribe and and our people who you know accept us for who we are and love us for who we are and encourage us to express who we are then then we naturally experience that sense of like true belonging and I think that's so important and it's something that I know a lot of our listeners struggle with because they spend or or like their lives have just been surrounded by people that don't that aren't really their people yeah
1: yeah and I think it's just finding one like let's be honest is that I'm very lucky that I'm quite networked now but that's that's a decade of working you know kind of slowly slowly bit by bit finding the people that really resonate with me you know there's a lot you know we're all like you know let's be honest we're all like Marmite some people are gonna love us and some people are just not gonna get it and that's you know for me that's okay and I think you know once we've accepted you know that that we're not going to be liked by everybody that lots of people might not get us then that's okay too and I think there's a liberation with you know putting energy into the right people that are gonna mm. support you encourage you but also be a critical friend so you know I've got people around me who are very good at being sounding boards who will support me but just go holy moly like that's that's not working Becky have a at <laughs> don't touch it don't touch that artwork for three days go back to it and I think you know there needs to be a healthy level of challenge without without shaming you without you know kind of making you belittling you you know but I think with with an authentic good well-balanced relationship you can be you can find that criticality as well as that support and friendship because I think you know, being adults, we need, you know, it can feel very, it's great to have people that are yes people all around us. But we also need, we need that drive. And we need that, that honesty from people as well. And I think that's, that's where healthy, good relationships um, are fostered, and long term relationships as well. Being able to say no,
0: yeah it's a scale, be isn't it?
1: yeah be able to put boundaries in place you know those are really key you know I can't come out tonight but it doesn't mean I'm not going to be a mate you know those basic kind of simple things of you know I'm sorry I'm not feeling up to it today is okay you know and actually I'll see you next week when you're feeling a bit better and I think there's there's huge social expectations on people particularly if we are trying to fit in mm you know oh kaike. you know you've got to attend this and you've got to do that you know this idea of got to is like oh kaike. you know it's it's you know but also we don't want to shy away from everything you know we have to balance the the consequence of not doing something with this with the with the doing so I think that healthy you know pushing yourself is is really key
0: yeah absolutely I I love that I love that because that sounds very much like what we're here at Quiet Connections to really support people with is one finding their tribes that we have our quiet community which is all about you know connecting people with others who are experiencing similar challenges and have similar interests and are you know the more gentle more sensitive types in, in the world and to know that actually there's a lot of people out there like that and it's okay to be that way and then also having you know the the support networks there that are about stretching your comfort zones together and challenging each other and you know showing up for things even if you feel uncomfortable or anxious about it but
1: knowing that it's you know how you grow yeah Yeah. (laughs) certainly outweigh I mean you know kind of I I recognize a pattern of behavior in me so I will be super nervous in the morning um um, I try and avoid coffee if I've got a big event because it just makes me go even more like good Uh, stuff and then and then having really good strategies just to calm down again at the end of the day Mm. and um you know and even if it's just making a routine cup of tea so that there's a marker in the day to go right this is switching from work mode to relax mode or you know I think you know there's just building those little strategies in to help with those kind of stretching activities because they can drain you you know and they're designed to kind of you know not always to, to stretch you to the point of ah but I think you know it's it's good to feel um a bit nervous occasionally and but have those things afterwards that you can reward yourself in a a positive way at the end of the day picking up the phone to speak to your brother or um you know I don't know spending an hour playing a board game my husband does jigsaw (laughs) I love jigsaw puzzles (laughs) my partner bought me some for Christmas <laughs> yeah, I know. he loves them like it's just his switch off is just to go and do jigsaw and I'll sit there and knit and we'll just chat and it's you know it's it's a nice decompression like finding those decompression activities yeah yeah I love
0: that yeah because we can get so caught up in just go 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 or avoiding yeah. avoiding avoiding yeah. um and not finding that balance between you know having that, a bit of that activated energy that gets yeah. you going but also knowing that like you do need to decompress at yeah. the end of the day because otherwise you're just going to overdrive. Yeah wonderful okay so what I am quite curious about Becky is you know what do you feel like your work as a designer has you know helped you to explore about who you are and and reveal parts of yourself What what's the most surprising
1: thing have you like that you've learned about who you are? One probably that I do get quite anxious. <laughs> <But laughs> I found mechanisms to overcome it. I think um, mm. I think uh, on a on a pri- very private level is that I've um, I've got a Catholic dad, and um, and I've been very um, I've been very active um, as a um, I've had a private kind of goddess group for twenty one years, mm-hmm. um, which has been a group that has done. Um, um goddess meditation or, or archetypal meditation. It's been a way of honouring the pagan festivals. It can sound quite hippie. Um, I love all
0: that stuff. That's but
1: it's um, <laughs> but a big part of um the private part of me as being an artist is that spirituality and caring for others and understanding the, the waxing and the waning of the moon and how we move through you know our cycles as, as people and through the year um, Um, has really influenced this current project that I'm working on so and it has right the way through all of my projects you know I've been working as a textile designer for 12 years so you know I um, four years ago I did a fuzzy boob and marking project which was my my daughter was was having huge anxieties about whether she should shave her body hair or not so I did a textile um, collection in relation to having open discussions about body hair for women and um my current project I really felt that it was a it was a good time for us to start thinking about not the external and what we look like all the time but but what is really resonating within our internal selves and for me that was very much about our spirit self or our you know, the lesser known aspect of ourselves. So the tassiography textiles is I, I've created a way of I um, tea leaf read with an individual or a family, it can be used with a family or, or a couple. And um, we peer into the teacup. And um, we look for signs and symbols within the teacup. Um, it can be anything from a I don't know, I'm a giraffe, to a horse and cart, to a love heart, to a group of stars. And then um, we go through a process of um, abstracting shapes from the illustrations that I've created. And then we choose a colour palette that resonates with that individual. Um, and what what the work is really about is not just the, the textile output that I create. So I create rugs as a result, It's really getting people to think about the shapes and the the archetypal symbols and the, the things that are present for them now and thinking about their future. So, you know, there's a really nice kind of, play on time there's a nice play on um you know what's going on for people internally and asking people to think about not their representation or their external facing self but much more about what's going on internally for them so if they're feeling you know that their color palette is all blues and all greens and calm you know kind of then I'll translate that into an artwork if it's really really kind of bright and colorful and you know psychedelic you know where are they at you know kind of in relation to that colour palette so you know for this project which was my master's project I've worked with 40 individuals um, and I I was very careful to make sure I worked with a counsellor to make sure that my line of questioning was sensitive Um, I wasn't making people feel vulnerable that was the last thing I wanted to do I wanted it to be a really playful enjoyable experience and let go of any kind of preconception about what design is so not only about themselves you know I don't I think people just love the the idea of having their tea leaves and I'm not psychic let's just put that out there (laughs) this is the design process and the process. It's very much about including people to create an artwork. So we call it co-authored for for mm. um, people that haven't gone through an art process. It means that there is a part of me and a part of the participant, and we come together to share in a in a common way we can talk together and sometimes that's very little talking but we arrive at design outcomes together and for me it's really powerful Mm -hmm. it's you know I get insights into people that I never expected and it's confidential so I can't share (laughs) but it's but but what what helped me is that I was able through through the lockdowns is that I, I managed to do 36 tea leaf readings before the first lockdown and then I spent the entire lockdowns creating the artworks from the 36 people and they go on show tonight for three weeks at Ocean Studios in Plymouth and um they are what I want to present is um that we are all these formless swirling bodies of colour that that transcend any you know I don't know social or political or cultural leanings is that inside us we are these formless masses of of loveliness Mm -hmm. and um the the um, exhibition is very much about how we express ourselves internally without the expectation of making it refined or good or you know what you should see it's just about an individual yeah it's been super
0: yeah that's really
1: lovely and it's and it's it's really the start so you know really I want I want to be able to to meet with other people that want to go through that process so you know this is really about launching it as an idea and um that people can have bespoke artworks about capturing a moment in time having a tea leaf reading as part of that process it's it's super fun
0: it sounds really wonderful (laughs) the question that's coming up for me Becky is um is there anything that you found obviously not sharing anything confidential but is there any kind of common ground that you found between all the people that that you've done the the collaborations with
1: yeah i think i think the most one of the common themes is that i i worked I worked with a couple of designers and I worked with um, a couple of uh, and mostly non-designers. I think the biggest theme that came that transcended all of them was about being listened to mm-hmm. and about having that dedicated one hour. Tea is a culturally accepted, mm-hmm. everybody drinks tea um, and I can tea leaf. I can, I can read coffee grounds as well. So if you're absolutely a tea hater, <laughs> but um, <laughs> um i use but i think i think the main thing for me is that is is about what was drawn out of people so people were really surprised about i gently pushed them to make sure that they chose 12 or 15 colors and they were like i only like two colors and i'd be like uh, let's just have a look let's see how we get on and trust the process and i think with that little bit of you know um support and encouragement people really felt that they'd um they'd had a good conversation and they'd, you know, I went away and created the design plans. I then followed up with an email with their tea leaf reading. and the feedback that I got was that they loved that process. And a lot of it was about let's sit and have a chat yeah. and, you know, and, and spend that time together and actually sitting and having a purposeful cup of tea um, but with 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 a playful output it was really really super because it there was less focus on the individual and there was more, more focus on actually we were there to create something together and I think out of that it was hugely when there was less emphasis on the person and more emphasis on the, the play I think you know we got we got there for both of the both outputs if that makes sense so yeah it was was fantastic
0: there's there's three things there that you said that I want to um just bring back and that was one that we all want to be listened to I think we all have this innate desire to be heard and actually a lot of us have grown up not feeling heard and that can really shut us down and disconnect us from who we are and particularly showing up as who we are in, in the world as well um the second thing was trusting the process that is something that me and Haley talk about all the time and it's something that we work with people to help them you know start trusting the process of life and and just what they're experiencing and what they're going through um and then I can't remember what the third thing was um <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was another thing then that you said, but I just wanted to, to know, like, how do, or uh, yeah, I, I want to know actually how you came to trust the process. Like, well, what think, does that mean to you?
1: Well, I think, I think for me is um, there's a lot of artists and designers. So what's been really interesting for me over the years is, is people's, some people can feel quite afraid of sharing their process Mm. So a lot of the time we... Um we arrive at the refined, you know, or we arrive at the end product. And um, for me, life is, is you kind of, you go through all those life stages and then you die. And it's like, hold on a minute, we are literally living this life process. You know, we're not, we're not our own personal exhibitions where you kind of arrive at 85 or 95 or, you know, you go, this is the major showcase. Just life isn't like that. And I think what I've what I was very passionate about through trusting this process for this project was about sharing process. So making sure that people understood that, um, you know, not everything is refined, polished, finished, Mm -hmm. and, and beautiful is that there's these messy tufty, you know, kind of weird color combinations, you know, it, it, it is a journey as much as life is a journey. And I think, you know when I within my field when people just show the best of or the best Fashion collection or the best art collection or the best you know kind of knitted project or the best um, cross stitch that they've done is that you know there's a lot of journeying that goes in between that you know I had um, during the masters I had both feet reconstructed and um, which meant that I had long periods of time where I was in um, casts. so you know I'd have one foot reconstructed and bolts put in and everything kind of broken and twisted and and put back, back in place. And it was, you know, but through that, I used textiles to get me through those very, very long days because there's only so much of Netflix I could cope (laughs) with. But 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 Instagram in the same way was very useful because I could get a little bit of kind of, oh, you're still there, Becky, and you're still textiling. And you know, it was really nice to have conversations with people just, you know, while I was incapacitated, you know, because life kind of carries on, you know, and it's, you know, so the trusting the process is really important because for me I I knew that I had an exhibition to work towards, but this whole process of working with people to get there has carried me through because I haven't wanted to do it on my own you know text artists can feel quite lonely you know the reality is is that I can be knitting or, or crocheting or I can be tapestry weaving or tufting for 10 hours a day in my studio but knowing and working collaboratively that I'm working towards somebody else's output, that's been part of me and part of them has been really, really powerful. It's really kept me going, especially when I haven't been able to see a lot of people.
0: (laughs) 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 Um, And um, I, I think what you're saying there is just, just so beautiful, and actually applies to so many areas of our lives that, you know, regardless of, who we are and what we're doing we tend to look at other people and see the best of what they're presenting and not see all the messy stuff that's going on in in the background like whether that's feelings or just you know those moments of self-doubt and anxiety and Mm. we compare like all of that that we see in us with the very refined polished thing on the outside
1: that someone's presenting when actually it's not the full picture Yeah. yeah And I think like before before we go on, I think, you know, one of the things that has helped me just on a kind of practical kind of strategic level is um, it's just having some routine. So, you know, kind of knowing, you know, everybody's at very different life stages and I know your your um, audiences. But, you know, for me, certainly kind of going through my 30s and then kind of now in my very early 40s is having routines. So when you have those external things that are impacting on you, you might have a very demanding job, or you've got, you know, kind of multiple children, you know, kind of running around. They might be young, they might be just about to fly the nest, they might have gone home, but they're inconsistent. You know, well, whatever life stage is, we have to find those routines that are achievable daily and finding pleasure in those routines. So I remember somebody saying to me many years ago, find enjoyment in what in, in washing the dishes, Becky, if you know, if you're there, stood there on your own and look at the bubbles. (laughs) (laughs) I this, (laughs) or having having, because there's a job that you're going to have to get done or you know or I get one of the kids to do and I go look at the bubbles kids you know you know finding those those daily routines can really help so you know there's a there's space for for you as well as your partner as well as the kids as well as so you know I think I've been I can be I can be perceived as selfish if I have an hour in the studio after dinner but the kids just want to decompress they want to chill out after school they want to do what they want to do everybody can kind of hang out and then we come back and we do something as a family sometimes we don't (laughs) they're (laughs) getting older but I think it's but but that routine of a cup of tea at night you know we always sit down at nine o'clock at night me and my husband and we just we have a cup of tea and we talk about the day you know and those little things can really help because you're then planning for the next day and what's going to happen
0: yeah I love that that sounds like a really good mindful practice as well like with the dishes and also the routine and having that space for you to decompress and yeah yeah. Yeah. wonderful um okay so we we support actually quite a few individuals um who do have dreams themselves of sharing their artwork and their designs and things that they're like writing and that they're creating themselves and um And a lot of them do actually want to eventually start businesses with those too, but they feel afraid of putting themselves out there and putting their work out there because of that fear of judgment and potential criticism. Um, and because it feels quite vulnerable, doesn't it? Um, so what has helped you to, to feel able to do this and what tips do you have for, for those to take those first steps?
1: Yeah, OK. I mean, that's a really lovely question because I work with students all the time, kind of super, super nervous about sharing. There's there's a couple of things that you can do on a really kind of practical level if you. So I would say 90 percent of my work is, is generated and, and around Instagram now. I think it's because it's such a visual platform, um, but you need to find that maybe the kind of social platform um to share your work that's going to fit with your business needs. So some people really resonate with TikTok. Some people really resonate with um, Instagram. Some people love Facebook. And there's there's loads of other platforms. But you need to do a little bit of research and find the one... um, that resonates with you. I think for me is that Facebook isn't so relevant anymore. It's kind of very family. It's it's, you know, it's sharing the the kids' photos. And I think Instagram will always be my key. I might eat my words in 10 years, but it's <laughs> It's a really, really key platform. I've got artist friends who um, they are prolific on Instagram, but they have a pseudonym or they have a, a name that isn't linked to them. So mm-hmm. having a brand can distance you, yourself from your nervousness about sharing um and attaching your name to a product or a piece of artwork. Um, I would separate your personal Instagram with a, you know, if you're making artwork, you can see that as a serious hobby, or you can see that as a professional output um and see how other people are doing it so you can emulate or you can copy or you can you know and there's some great really basic courses domestica for example are an online organization who will teach you the basics of um social media for for for, for small business and they're fantastic they cost about 10 quid and um but they will give you the confidence to to brand yourself so it's not you but it's your brand so there's another tip. The other way is um, to do small um, markets and take photos of being in situ. So you can kind of test your products or you can test the artworks out in a, in a space. And working, doing collaborative, um, collective um, exhibitions is a really good way of overcoming that that separation anxiety or feeling that you're doing it on your own and actually working with, you know, other people that are going through a process of, you know, kind of their new artworks, you know, you can title it emerging art in Camborne or emerging art in falmouth or you know kind of first time exhibition and people are genuinely you know you've of course you've got the trollers and the mean people out there but they are so far and few between unless you're a mega superstar you know it's you know let's be real here is that people are going to they're going to be there to support you they're going to be there to to encourage and be honest about your feelings don't overspill, <laughs> you know don't you know but be honest and say this is the first time i've posted an artwork what you know what do i think what do i you know what do you think i should do next or you know can somebody suggest an artist you know get get people involved with the decisions that you can make about what you're producing and you know getting that feedback can be if it's critical Take it on board if it's positive, take it on board, you know, and then move on to the next thing and I'd say, do small projects first, share little things so that that you haven't spent seven months making make it making a wonky pot <laughs> <laughs> and then sharing it and expecting five thousand likes. you know start small and then build up from there. I think that's my recommendation, and that's what we build into the course that I work on and when I work on workshops and stuff is is um sharing the, the things that are going to be less risky to start with and then and then build up slowly
0: <clears throat> I like that because that to me sounds very much like comfort zone stretching so you do like the smallest little step first and yeah. I like that the, share the thing that feels less risky first yeah. and then slowly slowly build upon it yeah. because I think we have a tendency don't we to try and do too much too quickly and like throw ourselves in at the deep end and then we go into that panic state of this all feels way too vulnerable and
1: ah yeah. uh... <laughs> criticism and it's taken me six months to make it and then it all goes you know and it all goes peak tong but I think you're absolutely right I think there's I think take those small steps and that means you know less energy maybe a bigger, you know, kind of, and then just build slowly, you know, like, you know, and I can't say it enough. Life is a process. Yeah. People often say to me, Oh, Becky, you you know, you're doing so well. It's, it's hard work. <laughs> and then, you know, it's hard work. kind of keep going, but we do it because we love it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, once you found that tribe, once you found the thing that you want to do, and I think with, you know, uh, kind of understanding, knitwear designers crafters makers you know being very much kind of within that network is that there's lots of us that suffer with anxiety and and you know there's lots of us that use textiles to help per se a very you know kind of make calm a very hurried mind and I think you know once we found that thing share it
0: <laughs> Absolutely. yeah wonderful um, so I just remembered what my previous question was um, for something earlier I was going to ask you what role you thought um, exploring archetypes within ourselves can help with like us getting to know who we are and, and perhaps with some healing.
1: Crikey. That's a big question. It is a big question, <laughs> isn't it?
0: <laughs> My apologies.
1: <laughs> I just love this type of stuff. <laughs> I think, I think one of the, I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of a diversion in in how I answer that and use, I'm going to, I'm going to, suggest something that that people might already be using or they might they um it might be new to them or they might be a little bit fearful or they might have um a particular stigma attached to it but i would highly recommend getting goddess cards or tarot cards or um because um or finding some kind of oracle book or using an i ching something that you can self teach yourself mm. because what it does is it works these these ways of using um I guess they're perceived as as divination tools, but they really are self-awareness tools so working with um so I'm very passionate about um I have a I have an angel set and I'm not Christian I've got an angel set I've got I don't limit myself with anything I like I've got a um, positive affirmation set I've got you know kind of traditional um tarot cards and then I've got there's a thousand you know they've got mermaid cards cat cards whatever floats your boat cards and what that what they do is that they work with um archetypes so with the with the um, tarot set you've got I think it's 78 cards Mm. and really it's about an externalization of a particular archetype or a particular image or a particular state of being and it just helps us to move from the internal and externalize sometimes quite complex feelings so um, the way that I use the tea leaf reading is it can be really random. I've got five hundred illustrations in my dictionary which I've illustrated, and it and all of those kind of signs and symbols can be interpreted in a, in a particular way or a random way. So it's really kind of working with archetypes. St- symbols helps us to understand the complexities of where we are and I think they can be and they can be interpreted in so many different ways but it's Mm -hmm. it's about channeling and like you said earlier storyboarding and creating a narrative around and giving a voice to, to feelings that can become you know these physical very kind of the butterflies or they can you know sometimes you can get kind of wound up you might have a tight ball inside your tummy and what these archetypal symbols do is they just help you to to move from from your tummy I would say or your head or your heart out onto a piece of paper and sometimes just seeing it in a different way can help you understand and and help calm those those feelings that we have or understand a situation in a new light sometimes I'm at a crossroads as to whether to take on a new freelance job or I'm not quite comfortable about a situation and I might just chuck a tarot card out and go okay let's think about it in a new light yeah Yeah. sounds really hippie it sounds really hippie I'm such a I'm
0: I'm all over this because I do exactly the same (laughs) so I've got numerous tarot card sets I've um, I've trained as like a human design specialist which is basically using like the I Ching system but yeah. set out in like a body graph so we're exploring 64 different archetypes and wow. exploring how you know how that kind of plays out through exploring like your position of like the sun and the moon and, yeah. and that's and...
1: incredible it is.
0: <laughs> it's amazing and likewise like my approach to all of this as well is that use them as self-awareness tools, use them as narrative creating tools, use them as ways to just help you get curious and explore what's actually going on for you. It's, it's not about predicting the
1: future or, <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> <And> <laughs> or I anything like that. Like-
1: there is an amazing writer that I listened to not so long ago. She was on a Zoom call from America called Rachel Pollock. And she's just, she talks about the archetypal symbols and the relationship to the major and minor Arcania. And it's just really, it's just incredible. So, yeah, use these tools to help focus. Definitely. I want, definitely want you to send me that link, please.
0: I will do. <laughs> I'll do you a reading, Becky. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, what what benefits do do you feel that there are then to actually exploring what our our personal narratives are and and how could that help us with with growing our confidence?
1: I think I think um, at any moment in time we have a particular relationship with our own self, but I think you know my my seven year old self is very different to my now forty three year self, um, and I think you know when we when we storyboard however long that's going to take so whether it's a moment in time or whether it's um um whether it's from you know kind of reflecting back and using tools to kind of think about your your childhood self is um is we understand ourselves as transient so we understand ourselves that we are we are this person now but we're going to be somebody who's who's um cell-wise completely different seven years down the line we've completely regenerated after seven years it's weird Mm -hmm. um you know kind of you know the cells die off they they regenerate and I think it is just reminding ourselves that that you know kind of through the storytelling and the journaling is that you know we are there's a beginning there's a center part and there's an end and you know kind of where we're on that that ladder of life is is kind of really interesting to capture I mean journal you know kind of just keeping a journal of what you do and kind of you know where where you're at six months ago is absolutely not going to be where you're at today and you know thinking about your six months in the future is nowhere near going to be where you're going to be you know in five years time so I think storytelling is really really important for capturing that moment but then being able to use it as a tool if you if you document it using it as a tool to reflect back on you know and and you know keep that conversation with yourself going
0: yeah oh I love that and <laughs> I, I I see this a lot with my with my clients that I think it's, it's easy for us to forget where we've come from and what's actually changed over like a a period of time and unless we take those moments to actually pause and reflect back on okay how was I feeling you know a year ago how was I showing up to things a year ago how anxious was I feeling then versus how like what am I doing now how am I managing the anxiety now how am I feeling about myself now and there's always change there's always change and I think we need to have those moments to you know, look back on that and sit with that and recognize that because otherwise we just go through life thinking that like everything's
1: staying the same yeah, and actually it's really not. Static, you know kind of elastic bands and actually we're not we're you know I've I've I mean, just through my jobs, I've been so varied, you know, I was a beach lifeguard in my teens, did all the sporty things, felt that was too pressurised, you know, then I was a careers advisor, youth worker, then I've ended up lecturing, you just, you know, life shouldn't be measured by your jobs, but it is, they are markers, if you like, of kind of like the shifts that you can have in states and ways of being and, and Fitting in and not fitting in, and you know, I just think I think life is incredible, and I think where if we're feeling anxious and scared, or we're feeling is you know owning, understanding that as a feeling, and it might manifest as a physical thing, but then finding those strategies to overcome them, um, because they are just moments in time. They might be a six-month moment, they might be a three-year moment, but there's always there's a there's a lifetime ahead. Um, yeah.
0: Really inspiring, thank you. Um, so, just to start bringing things to to a closing now, um, is there any words of kindness that you would like to share for our community? Um,
1: oh crikey, I think I think it's I think I think it's been easy on ourselves. I think we are, you know, don't feel pressured to do everything that comes your way. I think be. Be mindful of um, the pressures of everyday life and then just having those kind of simple routines put in place of you know kind of giving yourself pause allowing yourself to stop not when your head hits the pillow but but actually enjoy your tv program but be you know really enjoy it and switch your phone off you know don't be distracted by other things I do I genuinely think less social media time I know it's important that we're on it to share um, our experiences but you know just finding balance is really and being you know being in the moment and in the day is is really key I think that's yeah just be nice to to ourselves um and also is it's okay to be boundaryed, and I think you know in terms of words of kindness it's, it's okay not to to overshare all the time I think it's okay for us to feel that we hold parts of ourselves as a little bit of mystery and I think that's okay too um, nice. yeah <laughs>
0: and finally uh, um, is, is there a message that you would like to send back to your younger
1: self Oh my good lord. (laughs) Becky, why on earth did you not do art all those years ago? (laughs) Stop listening to your parents. That's what I should have said. Um, Yeah, I think sometimes our olders are not wiser. (laughs) Sometimes we've got to trust our gut because they're all powerful when we're young and sometimes, sometimes you know our parents experiences might be limited and they might not trust the process like we know we can so i think you know kind of thinking about my younger self i wish that i trust trust my gut and stayed with design it took me 15 years to get back to it but but i've now had 15 years of living a really happy um colorful life so i think yeah that's my biggest tip is um seek your tribe and um I think for my younger self is is trust trust your own instincts and talk I to people who are worried.
0: <laughs> I I love that so much because at the end of the day when when we return back to to our instincts and trust our instincts that's when we experience alignment and yeah. That's when we start to really get the most out of life. And yeah. also with our tribe, that's when we find our tribe as yeah. well. When, when we actually follow who, like what's in our hearts and, and who we truly are. Yeah. Our tribe Absolutely. just comes to us.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it takes all of the hard work out of it honestly <laughs> get <a> hobby <laughs>
0: <laughs> wonderful right well thank you so much Becky for coming on it's been really lovely to speak with Absolutely. you That's, um, that
1: was great thanks for having me you're doing you're an amazing welcome. job so yeah I'll do a share for you too
0: <laughs> wonderful if, if anyone wants to reach out to you where can they find you
1: um very simply they can find me at becky dot work So that's my um, super colourful website. And then I'm at Becky Dobman Design as my Instagram handle. Lovely. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. That's it from us at Team QC for season two. We can't wait to join you again in the winter with our next lot of beautiful guests. Again, be sure to subscribe and leave a review to let others know they're not alone. We'll be back soon and in the
1: meantime, stay connected.